Welcome to the Cross Loganville's podcast channel. Thank you for joining us for our special Easter sermon, Resurrection Hope. We are so excited that you've chosen to join with us today. Easter Sunday, Jesus Christ has defeated death, hell, and the grave. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. Oh, my heart is so comforted even today as I recognize uh, just the power of the gospel, but yet the promises that Christ has left us with. There's two things I want to kind of observe with you today. I want to look at the cross, and then we're going to move into a time of worship for a bit after we kind of acknowledge and appreciate and value of the cross, and then I'm going to come back and talk to you about the power of the resurrection. And so, Again, I pray that your hearts would be open. If you've got a Bible, I'm going to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and I'll be in verse 17. But Paul makes this declaration. He says, Jesus Christ sent me to preach the gospel. The gospel is the good news of God being extended to man. So when we start to study even the basics of the gospel, we realize that God created us in his image. We realize that man willfully separated himself from God. And because of sin, there was this alienation from God. We believe that some 2,000 years ago, Jesus revealed the heart of heaven, and he was the perfect man that walked this planet for 33 years with no sin. And again, this weekend, and every day we celebrate the power of what Christ has done through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. But Jesus cries out while he's on the cross, and Jesus promises to to send forth the Holy Spirit. So even as we pause now, the gospel is God creating, man separating, Jesus coming to reinstate the heart of heaven, and then the promise that the Holy Spirit will infiltrate our lives. Paul says, God sent me to preach the gospel. Verse 18. Oh, this is such a crucial verse for not only us here at the cross, Loganville, but for all of us to to know and to understand the power of this one verse. Paul says, the word of the cross, to those perishing, it's foolishness. But to those who are being saved, it is God's power unto salvation. Now, that's a very, very powerful verse. Proclaiming the cross was his ministry, but the message and the centrality of all that Paul would declare would be the cross of Jesus Christ. And again, the message of the cross in our day has somewhat been trivialized. The weightiness uh, of the cross and the power of the gospel has become almost a generic story these days. How scary. It is center for everything we believe. Think about it. The message of the resurrection It's easier to swallow. The thought of a dead man coming back to life, you go, what a cool story that is. But the message of the cross and the crucifixion, it's very sobering because there we're contemplating an alive man becoming dead. And that message is very disturbing. And it's disturbing because we come to the conclusion, I contributed to his death. The message of a bloody cross is a staggering message. The word of the cross to those perishing is foolishness. It's interesting, the word foolishness, when you study it in the original language, it literally means ignorant, insane. And it comes from the same word that we get the word moron from. 
Trusting in a tortured man for salvation is seen by the world as being moronic. Jesus' death on the cross was torture. And for me personally, as I look at it, I can't comprehend the pain that Jesus endured on my behalf. But praise God for the illumination that our eyes have been opened. But for so many in the world, they will look at us and they, go, they will think, you're just, you're, you're just foolish. Now, let me, let me dive into the power again of what Christ went through. The Bible says that Jesus endured the shame of the cross. And when you study it, starting in Matthew chapter 26, it started in Gethsemane. The scripture says that Jesus fell on his face and prayed, and he says, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, your will be done. And to me, that's one of the most powerful prayers that we can pray. Not my will, your will. Jesus prays, Father, your will be done. And the scripture says that he was in such agony that he began to sweat drops of blood. The pain, the inner turmoil, and he was staring down at the cross where he would be murdered. So it starts in Gethsemane. Then Jesus is led to a place called Gabbatha. And Gabbatha is known as the stony pavement. And that is where Jesus was tied to the whipping post. If you study it in detail, these two Roman soldiers with these whips that had pieces of metal and, and steel and glass, they took turns lacerating Jesus' body. It would wrap around his body and they would yank back and Jesus received 39 lashes. Pilate even says in John chapter 19 that I want you to take him out and have him scourged. And it reads very lightly, but it is so, so powerful what Jesus went through. The innocent was treated as guilty. Perfection was punished. The creator was regarded as a criminal he was arrested, and he was assassinated, and he was tortured on our behalf. Then Jesus is led from Gabbatha over to the garrison room. And the garrison room is where they take the crown of thorns and thrust down on Jesus' brow. These were two to four-inch thorns, most scholars believe. And they spat on him, and they ridiculed him, and they cursed him, and they took wooden sticks, and they began to beat down this crown on his head. Now, when we start to contemplate, even before we get to Golgotha or Mount Calvary, there's already been such just incredible punishment and harshness that has been yielded toward Christ. He's led to Golgotha, the place of the skull. And crucifixion in that day was one of the most disgraceful and cruel methods of punishment, of execution that anyone could endure. They believed that the weight of the entire cross between the cross beam and where Jesus would be dropped into the ground, they believed it weighed close to 300 pounds. Even he was forced to carry his cross even as he went to this place called Golgotha. The nails, if you start to study it, were five to seven inches uh, in length. And oftentimes they would drive them through the palms of a, of a man's hand. But here with Jesus, they drove them through his palms here close to his wrist. And there was not even a word to capture how painful that was in that day. And they came up with a word called excrucius, which means out of the cross. And it's the only time you study and contemplate the excruciating pain 
of any human uh, ever going through at this level. Even as Jesus is now beaten and bruised and shredded, the scripture says he bowed his head and he cried out, it is finished. It is finished. Everything that the Father has required for sin to be dealt with once and for all, everything to appease the wrath of God has been dealt with. It is finished. Now, to contemplate the details of Jesus' death on the cross is very disturbing. But the scripture says there's only one way to get to God, and it is by the cross. When you start to dive into the message of the cross, the heartbeat of the message of the cross is it offers hope and it offers salvation. The cross is God's statement of love to the world. The cross, it is the most powerful symbol known to man. The message of the cross is not just stop sinning. No, that, that, that's not it. The cross's message echoes God loves you. And it echoes, God is, is declaring to you, my arms are wide open. I'm inviting you to place your faith in Jesus and in him alone. Jesus' death on the cross is God's ultimate statement of loving the world. And it settles the sin debt once and for all. Hebrews 9.22 says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. The cross is humanity's only hope. The cross is your only hope. The cross is my only hope. Because at the center of the, the gospel message and the, the power of the declaration of the cross, it offers us life and peace and purpose and forgiveness and redemption. Again, the cross declares it is finished. It's not like God is saying, I've done my part now, you've got to go perform and do yours. He's saying it is finished. And Paul would write in Galatians 6:14, God forbid that I should ever boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The cross is where Jesus was tortured and murdered for sin, where he endured the punishment for you and for me. It was despicable brutality that changed the course of human history. The cross is God's statement of, 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 of accomplishing everything that we needed accomplished on our behalf. It is finished. I've dealt with everything in regards to your sin, your past, your, past, uh, your present, your future. It's dealt with. Sin is defeated. Hell is defeated. Heaven will become victorious because of what Jesus did on the cross. The cross is the anchor of my belief system, and it should be the anchor of your belief system. It is where the foundation of our theology is born. I go back to the cross. It's where God's wrath is poured out on God's amazing grace, and grace embraces wrath in the ultimate declaration of agape love. The cross is where the old man can die. It's where the new, it's where the new man can be made alive. It's where sinners become saints through faith. 
The cross is where dead men are made alive. It's where lost men are found. It's where the blind see. It is where the poor are viewed as royalty. The cross, again, is where salvation is born. The church is founded. The cross is the most powerful symbol known to man. And without the cross, there is no hope. But the cross demands a response. It dem demands a response from me, and it demands a response from you. Jesus was not tortured and murdered to make your life just better. No, no, no. Jesus was not tortured and murdered so that we could just have a happy life. He was crucified to reconcile you and I back to the heart of Abba Father, back to God. And Jesus calls us to total surrender. He calls us to repent of sin, to confess him as our Lord. And he calls us to total surrender. He calls us to trust him with everything that we have. He calls us to sell out, to risk it all, to go all in, embrace my salvation, declare my lordship, follow me in baptism, declare to the world that you belong to me. The cross demands a response. It is a response of worship to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I want you to contemplate and just ponder here for a few moments as we celebrate in song the power of the cross. Jesus was forsaken. His grace becomes my salvation. The work of Calvary, oh, what a magnificent work. Love has triumphed over death. I invite you to pause for a few moments and let's worship the King.
strongholds bowing to the Savior resurrection power it is finished mercy won I'm forgiven Jesus is completely worthy now contemplate this because of the cross heaven's door now swings wide open with hope Jesus is risen 
Jesus has defeated, again, death, hell, and the grave. And because of the resurrection, there's victory in Jesus' name. The resurrection declares, I want to share three thoughts with you. The resurrection declares, one, my past has been forgiven. Now, I don't know about you, but that's incredible news. And that's good news for me. When I think about everything that I've ever done, everything in my past, everything I will do now, even into the future, I, I stop and go, I'm forgiven. But oh, what a relief it was to realize my past is forgiven. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been half, uh, halfway through doing a project and all of a sudden you think, man, I wish I could have a do-over? I wish I could have a mulligan. I, I, I wish I could go back and redo some of those things. I think a lot of times people feel that way about their life. They get to 30, maybe 40 years old, and they wish it, they could go back and, and maybe ha have a mulligan and have a do-over, maybe uh, marry somebody different, maybe take a, a different career path. And, and, and I would tell you this, even as pastor, I can promise you, we have all done things and said things and thought things that we wish, we wish that we could take back and do over. We all have regrets and guilt in our life. I've even had people tell me, well, if I, could, if I could go back, I wouldn't change anything. That's a foolish statement to make because I am convinced all of us would change things in our narrative. Here's a letter I received here recently. Pastor, I'm 35 years old. I'm divorced. I feel terrible. I have no hope for my future. Often I go home and I cry, but there's no one to hold me. It seems that nobody cares. Nothing changes and I just continue to fail. I'm stressed out and I feel that I'm on the verge of a major collapse. Something's wrong. I can't even relate to others anymore. I'm like, wow, the heartache, the heartbreak, and the hopelessness of so many people around us today. Do you know people that feel that way? They can't live today. They can't get excited about tomorrow because they're still stuck in the past. Guilt, shame, regret has tied them down. Do you know people that way? Colossians chapter 2. I love verse 14. It says, Jesus has canceled out the certificate of our debt consisting of all of the charges that were brought against us. He destroyed it by nailing it to the cross. He has taken it. He has destroyed it once and for all by nailing it to the cross. Let me encourage you with something. God's forgiveness plan is the cross of Christ. Jesus nailed it to the cross, paid for it once and for all. He has forgiven your past, and I would encourage you wherever you're at today, receive his forgiveness. He has canceled out all of the debts that you owe him, emotional, relational, every sin. It's been canceled out, erased, forgiven. And you're now free to walk with no charges being held against you by your creator. I started thinking, how long do I remember a bill after I've paid it? All of a sudden, the mortgage comes in or an electric bill. And I'm like, how often do people walk around still remembering the bill after they've paid it? Hey, it's paid. It's been dealt with. I release it. And once God's forgiven you, 
And once you know that he's forgiven you, you can release it too. That's incredible good news. I don't have to carry a load of guilt around any longer. It's not necessary. I remember when I was growing up, one of the toys of that day uh, was an Etch-a-Sketch. You may have had one. I had an Etch-a-Sketch. And I remember it had these two little uh, knobs on it, and you could start to draw a picture or whatever. But if you messed it up, you could flip it over, and all you had to do was shake it. And then you would flip it back over, and there would be a clean slate. Can I tell you something? That is the truth of what God's done for us. He's created a clean slate. And you can walk in that truth today, knowing that your past, everything has been nailed to the cross, and you're forgiven. Jesus' blood cleanses us. And I tell you, that is good news. Even Jesus himself said, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world. I came into the world to save the world. Jesus didn't come to rub your sin in your face. He came to wash it out. He came to make you new. He, gave, he came to give you a clean slate. I can tell you, as a believer and follower of Christ, I love the hope that the resurrection offers because my past has been forgiven. Here's the second truth. I can live today with hope. Oh, that is good news for so many people to hear. Through the power of the gospel and through the presence of the Holy Spirit now residing inside of me, I can live today with hope. And when you figure out that you don't have it all figured out, and when you realize that you can't manage your life by yourself, let me tell you, that is a good thing. As long as you think you can control it and fix it and drive your life, that's a bad thing. I talk to people all the time, and the number one complaint I hear is this, my life is out of control. Tim, I have no direction. And listen, you were never meant to live life on your own power. You were never meant to live in your own strength. God desires to have a relationship with you, and you can trust him today, and I can promise you this, Jesus Christ is trustworthy. Ephesians 1, starting in verse 19, I pray that you will begin to understand the incredible greatness of his power for us who believe. I pray that you will begin to understand the incredible greatness of the power of God. Oh, the power of God lives inside of me. I can't imagine doing life without God. I was lost, alienated, and jacked up for so long, but I have hope today. And I can tell you, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead will help you rise above the chaos that you're facing right now. The same power that God used some 2,000 years ago at Resurrection Sunday is available to you right now. And I, I, I would invite you, just repent and say, God, please take over my life. Here, here's the truth. We don't know what the future holds. We don't even know what next week holds. We don't even know what tomorrow holds holes. But I can promise you, God has given uh, his power right now to be available to each and every one of us so that we can face no matter what's going on. I would encourage you, trust him to be enough. Believe him to be enough. I personally believe, based on the 35 years of walking with Jesus, that no problem is too big for my God. No situation is hopeless if you'll just turn it over to him. Again, so many people are struggling 
right now, just feeling hopeless, but I can promise you hope and healing and deliverance and freedom is found in Jesus' name. Again, what does the resurrection mean to me? Why does it matter? One, my past has been forgiven. Second truth is I can live today with hope. Here's a third truth. My future is totally secure. Oh, everybody dies. I'm going to die someday. And so will you. And only a fool would go through life unprepared for something that he knows for certain is going to happen. People don't like to talk about death. If you invite your friends over sometimes after the social distancing is over and you sit around and you are serving coffee, I promise you, if you say, hey guys, let's talk about uh, death for a bit. People don't want to talk about death. People are afraid of the topic. I read the story not long ago of the three guys that were meeting for breakfast one morning when one of the guys uh, asked the group, what would you like for other people to say about you at your funeral? The first guy thought for a minute, he's like, uh -huh, yeah, I'd like for him to say he was, a, he was a great man. He cared about his community. They're like, that's cool. Went to the second guy. What, what would you like said about you? He goes, I, I would like for him to say he was a great husband and he was a great example again to other people. They're like, that's cool. They looked at the third guy and they're like, Joe, how about you? What would you like for others to say at your, uh, at your funeral? He sat there for a few seconds and thought, uh, I'd like for him to, to say, look, I think he just uh, sat up. And I think that's where a lot of people are. I, I want to set up out of my uh, casket. I want to get up and walk. I don't want to have to deal with death. I don't want to have to deal with the possibility of death. But reality is, it's a deep question for us to consider, even today. The fact is, everybody has a deep longing to know what's going to happen. And with what's happening right now, even in our world, whether we're looking at China, whether we're looking at Italy, whether we're fo focusing on the United States of America, whether we're focusing on the state of Georgia, or focusing on Gwinnett County or Walton County, we know that people are dying around us, and the fear of death is consuming so many. What's going to happen when I die? And again, there's four basic questions that I would encourage you to ponder. The question of origin, meaning morality and destiny. Origin, where did it all come from? How did I get here? Meaning, what's man's fundamental purpose for being on the planet? Morality, is there a standard that we're to be living our lives by? But that last question plagues so many people. Destiny, what is going to happen when I die? The Bible says there's only one way that you can get to heaven. Now, man says you can earn it. Man says if you perform well and uh, you, you do everything you can, that the scales maybe will tip in your favor. But the Bible says there's only one way. And, 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 and if you start to try to live according to man's plan, it will be this. Hey, if, if you're going to really make it to heaven, you can never sin. You always got to do what's right. You can never tell a lie. You can never fragment disclosure. You've always got to make the right decision. You've got to be perfect if you're going to get there. That's man's plan. And from my baseball background, I started thinking, man, what a, what a terrible plan. Could you imagine if baseball, uh, the Hall of Fame, Cooperstown required, that the only way you can make it to Cooperstown and be inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame is that you have to hit 1,000, which means never make an out. 
You, you, you've got to play error-free baseball. You can never make an error. And I'm talking about your entire career. I mean, I started thinking, none of us would qualify. God says, again, there's one way. You've got to repent of your sin. You've got to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, and you've got to trust him as your master and authority. Jesus is God's perfect plan. Jesus came so that you and I could know God in a personal way. And by trusting and by establishing a relationship with Jesus, I can promise you that is the gateway of where life really starts. Now, that's where it started for me. I had to repent. I surrendered. Now, just saying that I've been born again or saved and I've asked Christ to save me, there's so much more to it. That's where salvation started. And I can promise you over the last 35 years that walking with Christ and pondering and meditating and studying scripture and prayer and fellowship and going on mission trips and being a part of God's uh, work throughout the world. There's so much, but it starts with a relationship with Christ. Jesus would say in John chapter 17, verse 3, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and that they may know Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And that would be my encouragement today, that you would come to know Christ in a personal way. Again, we've established that Jesus has paid the way for us to have a relationship with God and for us to spend eternity in heaven. The good news is he offers that to all. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. Even in 1 Peter, I love this passage. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And God offers us living hope. I can be born again to a living hope. And hope means that you don't have to fear. You don't have to fear death. You don't have to fear tomorrow. You don't have to fear the future. It means that I can start to live today at peace with God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So I would encourage you, receive the peace of Jesus Christ today. Allow the peace of Jesus to come in and take over your life. Here would be my question to you in closing. One, would you like to receive complete forgiveness today? Would you like to receive it? Man, I think for so many of us, we want to know, we want to believe, or we somehow with this distant hope in our hearts, is it possible to be forgiven? It is. Would you like to receive a power that only God can give you that will help you manage and overcome the problems you face? It's available 24-7, 365. Would you like to know that your future is secure once and for all? That you can walk right now an abundant life and that you can have uh, the assurance of knowing where you're going to spend your eternity? I do. That changed my life. And I can promise you the resurrection can make that difference for you today. What I've just talked about is not enough for you to have a relationship with Jesus. It's not. I've talked about it. You've heard it, but you've got to be willing to receive it personally. The line in following Jesus Christ is one deep, and he's telling you today, hey, Joe, hey, Becky, hey, Barb, hey, Benji, hey, by your name, he's calling you saying, come 
and follow me. Receive my gift of salvation. And you can do that right now. I want to lead you in a prayer. And I pray that you would bow, even as I uh, jog through this prayer with you. And, and it's not the magic of the words, but it's the sincerity of the heart. And I pray that you would open your heart to Christ right now. And you can just say, God, I know that I'll never earn my way to heaven. I know I'll never be good enough. I've already blown it enough. I have royally jacked it up. I've sinned, and I know that I can't do it on my own. I'm asking you to work your plan right now in my life. Just confess it. Jesus Christ, I choose to trust you. I believe that you are Savior, Lord, and Master. And right now, I choose to say, I will follow you for the rest of my life. Lord, I want to get to know you, and I want to strengthen that every day. And so, Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that your, your, your Holy Spirit would just be poured out in a powerful way for every person that's under my voice right now listening. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that we would value the cross and that we would so celebrate, Lord, that Golgotha gave way to glory and that the resurrection ushers in incredible hope. Thank you that the resurrection is the hinge on which the door of Christianity swings. If there be no resurrection, Lord, we're the most foolish of all people, Paul would say. But I just want to stop and say thank you, Jesus, for defeating, Lord, the grave. And thank you for bringing me out of the grave of sin and giving me life and hope in your name. I praise you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for watching the message. Uh, we hope that you really pulled some things out of it. And just know that our desire is for every person, whether you ever step in this building or not, to become fully alive in Christ. Yeah, we want to see you committed to Christ. We would love to see you connected to others in a small group. And we believe it's important to uh, become a contributing member to the body of Christ through uh, sharing your faith, uh, as well as financially investing in the work of God. That's right. And so we pray that you're growing, that you're striving forward. There's so many resources on the website. You can watch past messages, your testimonies from people. But we pray that you utilize those. And we hope to see you on a Sunday morning. Hey, make it a great day and enjoy uh, the abundant life in Christ.